0: making choices that have shaped today's understanding of pornography. In 1948, Dr. Alfred Kinsey published a best-selling book that suggested that all forms of sexual behavior should be normalized, and that people should pursue all sexual urges regardless of age. Businessmen capitalized on this new idea, and porn magazines hit the newsstands. Many became convinced that it was cool, harmless, and a gentleman's pursuit. Then, in 1993, came the internet. And like a tidal wave, pornography flooded the world wide web as a generation became consumed. And now, for the first time in history, hardcore pornography can be accessed from anywhere and at any time. So what does this mean for our generation? Through new innovations in brain technology, psychology, and sociology, we now know the truth about pornography. Porn is like a drug, it can rewire the brain, form addictions, alter views about sex, objectify the human body, fuel the demand for sex slavery, and reshape society as a whole. Pornography is often violent and abusive, a degrading lie that distorts the very meaning of healthy relationships and love. We are the first generation in the history of the world to face the issue of pornography to this intensity and scale. We are also the first generation with a science-based understanding of the harm pornography can do. And with that knowledge, we feel the responsibility to share it with others. We are determined to be the generation who pursues real love and rejects its hollow counterfeit. We will fight this new drug, and we will not rest until the world knows that pornography is harmful.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Joe Wilson. I'm privileged to serve here as the associate pastor at Kirby. And if you're uh, sitting there wondering what in the world did I just walk into, well, this is a sermon series uh, called Kool Aid. And we're basically talking about segments of our society where, where people in our culture uh, have begun to drink the Kool Aid, so to speak, and accept forms of behavior that go against what God's Word would teach. And so, in particular today, we're going to be talking about this thing known as pornography. And um, I want you to know that our church staff, uh, our leadership, we believe that this is so important because this is such a huge problem in our society, and we just cannot remain Silent on it. We've got to talk about this. We've got to openly discuss this and address the problem of, of pornography. And so, what I want to do this is it's going to be very, very difficult for me in a 30 minute time frame to just, I'm going to have to do a very quick flyover of the negative impacts of pornography on people, on our bodies, and as individuals, on our, our just all different uh, parts of our lives, but then also what the Bible says. Uh, about this particular issue and then how to protect ourselves and our kids from it and then what to do if this is a problem, if this is a, a temptation or even an addiction for you, how to work through that. And so let's first just kind of hover over this uh, this portion of negative impacts and, and the negative impacts that come into our lives as a result of pornography. Now for me growing up as a kid, uh, pornography was something that was, you had to go looking for it, right? It was one of those uh, things uh, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, one of those things was just hard to come by. It was basically in a magazine form and so uh, usually you know, for me my first exposure was a little kid. Uh, I was a friend, his dad collected Playboys and had a stack in the basement and, and I'd never seen anything like that. And for Pastor Mike, he, I remember he told me for him it was sixth grade, same thing, a magazine on the playground at school. And he never forgot those images, and you don't. They stay with you for life. But uh, eventually, porn began to change a little bit, it began to come into our homes through uh, cable TV. Uh, Through VHS. Some of you remember what VHS is, right? VCR tapes. And and maybe that was uh, how you first were exposed to this thing known as porn. Or maybe it was through that bad part of town in Detroit or Chicago. As you walked down the street and there was that little peep show place or whatever it might be. And and that was your first exposure. So it began to change a little bit. became more accessible. But then in 1993 came the development of what we now know as the World Wide Web and the internet. And what's taking place now, I don't want you to miss this, all of a sudden, no longer do you or your kids or anyone that you know and your family or friends have to go looking for porn. It finds you. It finds you. Consider this, in 1960, tobacco smoking or cigarettes was considered socially acceptable because no one knew the negative effects on the body. You could smoke anywhere, even on airplanes. I mean, it was just very socially acceptable. Today, pornography is socially acceptable because people don't know the negative effects it has on you. Matter of fact, sadly enough, even a lot of Christian people have begun to buy into and drink the Kool-Aid and accept pornography as a way of life or as part of what's going on in their particular world. Porn may very well be The greatest hidden sin among Christians today. It may very well be the greatest hidden sin among the church. Today, so just how bad is this? I want to hit some stats and if you're a stat kind of person and you like to take notes, you're going to love that. If you're like me and you have to have reading glasses, you're going to hate it because I realize the font size is very small on the handout and I apologize. There's just no way I could get everything on there. So grab a magnifying glass or or somebody's reading glasses uh, next to you and, and do the best that you can. If you like to fill in things, I'll provide uh, the answers to these blanks, hopefully, as we go through this. The problem of porn, check this out, 420 million porn sites exist on the Internet, and that number is constantly growing. One out of every search engine request, or one out of every, I think it's one every, every three, I, I missed a blank there, uh, a request is pornographic in nature. It's an estimated 68 million requests per day. 68 million. 35% of all internet downloads are pornographic in nature. 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. One out of every three of those are women. Just in case you thought this was only a man problem, right? 20% of men and 13% of women admit to viewing pornography at work. I personally have friends, I know of people who have lost their jobs because they were caught in this act at work at work. Sunday, oddly enough, is the most popular day to view online pornography. The least popular day is Thanksgiving. As a parent, these next stats may really concern you. They did me at a much higher level. The largest consumer of internet pornography is 12 to 17-year-old age group. The average age that a child is exposed to porn, anybody want to guess? 11. 11 years old, the average age. 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to hardcore pornography by the time they are 18 years old. 83% of boys and 57% of girls have seen group sex on the internet. And many of these statistics are just very conservative in their estimates. Corn is the fastest growing addiction in the world today. It's not just men. It's not just adults. Matter of fact, studies have even shown this addiction is affecting our senior adult population. Please understand this. No one is exempt. No one. Don't sit there and believe and drink the Kool-Aid and think that you're safe and your kids are safe. No one is exempt. Christians, men, women, senior citizens, pastors, church leaders, denominational leaders, Sunday school teachers, people from all groups, all segments of society are struggling with the addiction to pornography. Matter of fact, studies have shown that 50% of pastors have admitted to struggling with an addiction to porn. Whether you're taking drugs or viewing viewing pornography, you may not understand that this addiction process is much the same So the addiction properties that that take place, what happens in your body and your brain, is much the same with a drug, a hardcore drug like heroin or methamphetamine, as it is viewing pornography. So if you're sitting there thinking it's not a big deal, it's just a picture, you're wrong. Scientific data now backs this up. And even the the non-Christian community, even our secular society, is beginning to see the dangers. The video I showed you at the very beginning, the opening video, was developed by a, a non-Christian organization called Fight the New Drug, and it's young people all dedicated understanding the difficulties and the problems and the scientific evidence of what porn can do, and they're fighting that. I want you to check out what this video and what the effects are on your brain when you view, view pornography.
0: You know, what part of the brain addiction hurts. They call it the frontal lobes. The frontal lobes are located just like the name suggests in the front area of your brain, okay? This area of your brain is the decision-making area of your brain, okay? It's responsible for weighing out pros and cons, logically thinking through situations and scenarios. It's no wonder the addicts have a hard time stopping their behaviors, even when they want to. That area of the brain that is responsible to help them through that is damaged. So if pornography affects you physically, how would that then affect you behaviorally or psychologically? Well, let's look at the obvious. If you are addicted, you're going to have addictive behaviors, right? All of your activities are going to start to revolve around you getting your next fix. And pretty soon, it's going to be nearly impossible to quit. All of this happens while you think you're still in control. You see, with the brain, addiction is addiction is addiction. Whether it's cocaine, heroin, nicotine, or pornography, once you're addicted, it's too late. And the thing is, you may even realize what you're doing... Is harmful, but once you're in that trap of addiction, what you should do and what you want to do is out of your control. All you can think about is satisfying that craving. And if you don't, you'll go through withdrawal symptoms, just like you would if you were trying to quit a you know hard drug or a chemical drug. So it has incredible
1: negative impact on your brain and affects your body physically, behaviorally. Psychologically, and all these different things. Matter of fact, there's a study that reports um, that people who use internet pornography um, have a a severe, a twice as much chance of having severe clinical depression. So, if you view it, you have a fifty percent chance more of having clinical depression. Matter of fact, the significant relationship between uh, porn use and feelings of loneliness and major depression exists. It's there. So it's going to impact you in some way. Viewing pornography also has an impact on your relationships. And and so, you know, the the people that are closest around you, check this out. Porn use increases marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 300%. Over half of all the divorces involve at least one of the people having an obsession with internet porn. Fifty-eight percent, it not only affects you relationally, but it also affects you financially. Fifty-eight percent of addicts suffer major financial loss, and one-third end up losing their job. So it's going to affect you financially as well. And I know this is horrible, and this was, this was an area of my study this week that uh, was very difficult for me. There's so many of these, this study has just been uh, incredibly challenging just to, to hear and and. It's devastating. But when a person clicks on a picture or watches a video, visits a peep show, or rents a movie, there's a direct correlation to the sex traffic trade that's taking place in our world today. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we live next to the second largest sex traffic slave industry in the world, or in our country, and that's Toledo, Ohio. And in America, in the United States of America, every year, check out this slide, 17,500 young girls and women are kidnapped and taken into the sex slave industry. They're drugged. They're forced into sexual acts, prostitution, whatever it might be. And every time someone clicks on an image or takes part in Internet pornography or even rent movies, whatever it might be, they're, they're fueling the sex traffic trade industry. Now, if that doesn't shake you up, you might need to check your pulse. It's revolting if you're like me and you've got young daughters, it's flat out scary. It is. A couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I enlisted a, a friend of mine that does a lot of market research and analysis, because and, I, I wanted to find out, sometimes with statistics, you never know, you know what's being made up and what's not and what's being embellished. And so we created our own survey, and I wanted to ask the people within my social media network, you know, um, What's your, what is the influence that porn has had in your life? And, and so we, we just sent this out. And we had almost 300 respondents. It wasn't as many as what I wanted. It was almost 10% of my, my Facebook community that did respond. And, and here's some of the statistics that we found. Okay, these are, these are my friends, many of which are Christians and pastors, some which aren't. But 40% found it accidentally, while 51% said that someone else exposed them to porn. 40% found it. Do you have that, that slide? Don't have it. Okay. 3.5% view porn daily. Oh, maybe I skipped one. Did I I skip one? Oh, I did. Yeah. 81%, I'm sorry. 81% have viewed or been exposed to pornographic images. 81% of my friends. Okay. 18% had first viewed pornography before the age of 11. 70% of all that responded have viewed it before the age of 18. So it's affecting, definitely affecting our youth culture, right, in our country. 40% found it accidentally, while 51% said that someone else exposed them to it. 3.5% view porn daily, or 3.1%. 6% multiple times a week, 7% weekly, and 6% a few times a month. Only 79% believe that looking at porn is wrong. Only 79%. 6% of the respondents said that they were not Christians. So more than my non-Christian community believes that there's nothing wrong with looking at pornography. 29%, thankfully, want help. And how do we stop viewing this? How do I, how do I stop being tempted or how do I get out of the addiction? And that's why we're doing this today. Because we can't live in the dark shadows of what's taking place in society around us and it's affecting your kids it's affecting your grandkids it's affecting everyone around you it may be affecting your very own household so we've got to talk about it and here's the key what does the bible have to say about this issue does God's word address this issue of pornography? Well, well you're probably not going to see the word per, uh, porn in, in the Bible necessarily, or even internet. Uh, it's just not there. But the Bible's got a lot to say about sexual sin, about our eyes, about keeping our minds pure. And uh, so let's look at this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Here's the first passage I want to show you. It says, you have heard it was said, You shall not commit Adultery. Now, most of you know what adultery is, right? You're not committed adultery. And most of you think, well, looking at pornography, that's not adultery, right? It's not, it's not a problem if I don't look at a girl online because I'm not sleeping with her. It's not the same thing. I'm not cheating on my spouse. It's not adultery. But look at what it says. It says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's a powerful statement. For all of those people who are are addicted or being tempted by what's out there and what's flooding our homes, what we no longer have to go look to, it's coming to us, right? It's there. And Matthew goes on, he says, listen, if if this causes you to stumble, if there's something that causes you to to mess up or stumble, to be drug into an addiction, you need to gouge your eyes out. It's that kind of wording. It's very strong. It's very serious. Now, maybe you're new to following Christ or maybe you've just... You've never read this, you've never heard this before, but don't miss this. Viewing pornography is lusting in your heart. And the Bible says it's wrong. It is a sin. And there's devastating impacts. Not just physically and behaviorally and emotionally. Spiritually, there is devastating impact on your life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6.18. Here, it's an incredible passage. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. So in other words, sexual sin, viewing pornography, lusting after another woman is different. It's a sexual sin, and sexual sin affects us differently. He says whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You're sinning against your own body. No other sin affects us like sexual sin affects us, like lusting or looking at porn. And the Bible says to run away from it. Now, I love how Eugene Peterson, he's a pastor, and, and he's a Greek and Hebrew scholar. I love how he sort of paraphrases this particular uh, uh, verse. He says, in sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given, God-modeled love. For becoming one with one another. With our spouse, in other words, with other, another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Because see, we believe that once you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit takes up residency within us. And so he says, listen, your body is sacred because God lives there. He's living with inside of you. And sexual sin is a sin against the Holy Spirit, against that sacredness of who you are and who God created you to be and the work that God's done within you. He said, don't you see that you can't live however you please? Part of being a Christian, part of following Christ is our willingness to follow. It's to give up what we want. And everything about porn is selfish. Everything about it. And he says, listen, you can't do what you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in And through your body. It violates all that God intended for you to enjoy with your spouse and your future spouse. It violates the sacredness of the Holy Spirit that resides within you. It squanders the ultimate price. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. It squanders that. It's very scary too that pornography is progressive. What you're looking at online is going to lead you offline. You will take greater and greater risk uh, the more you allow the addiction to grow. And what pornography does is it distorts your view of sex because what you're watching on the internet is fantasy. It's not reality. And it's not what you're going to find in a normal, healthy, sexual relationship with your spouse or your future spouse. Porn is the world's version of a cheap, substitute of what God designed to be amazing. It's a cheap substitute. It's selfish. It involves just you. It's easier than pursuing your spouse the way God intended you to do. Overwhelmingly, people who struggle with porn, either occasionally or or as an addiction, they'll say, "You know what, Joe? No one can understand. They they don't know what I'm going through." And the part of the reason people say that is because this is a hidden sin. It's, It's it's something that you do in the dark places, all alone, and it's something that buries you into deep fear and shame. And yet, I want you to know today, what I want you to hear is that you're not alone in your struggle. You are not alone. Sadly, but yet, fortunately for you, statistics tell us that you're not alone. Matter of fact, porn is an $80 billion a year industry, $13 billion in the USA. You don't get to those numbers without a lot of people being involved in this. And statistics show that even in the Christian community, it's an issue. So if this is your temptation, if this is your addiction here today, you're, you're sitting among friends, you're sitting among people, probably a lot of them who struggle with it, but it's being hidden in the dark places of their life. They're not dealing with it yet. And the truth is this, guys, don't miss this. We all struggle with sin. Every person that walked into this room has hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Every one of us. None of us are perfect. We're all human. We're all in need of God's grace. Pastor Mike often says that Kirby Church is a perfect church for what? Imperfect people. That's all of us. Fingers pointing at ourselves, every one of us. I believe that. Now, we've looked at the destructive nature of porn, we've looked at the addictive power of porn, we've also looked at what scripture has to say about sexual addiction and the importance of fleeing. So what I want to do now is I, wanna, I want us to look at, because I, I hope you're sitting there wondering, Joe, this is terrible, what can I do to protect myself? What can I do to protect my kids? What can I do to protect my family, my grandkids? Because if you're thinking that, here's what I want to do, I want to give you three things I think that can be a great help to you here this morning. Number one is this, you need to educate yourself. That's part of what you're doing here this morning, right? You're allowing yourself to be educated to the issue and the cultural Kool-Aid that's being drunk and even being brought into our church, into our Christian lives. And for some of you, this is the first you've ever heard about the dangers of porn and how it's being pushed to our kids and our homes. Maybe for you, it's just you didn't want to hear about it just because it's, it's just kind of nasty to you, right? I don't want to go there. I don't want to know about this. But listen, we can't live in the dark. We've got to know. And I've got to tell you, I feel blessed. I've got great kids. I love my girls, and one's 22, and, and, and then I've got one's going to be a senior in high school, fixing to turn 18. My youngest is almost 10, and I love my girls, and they're great. I didn't realize everything. I'm a techie guy. I did not realize there are apps that kids can put on their phone to hide apps from mom and dad. I didn't know that. I have learned so much this week, and you've got to educate yourself, and you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm not techie. I don't know what to do. We've got help for you. Uh, This week, we posted a link on the front of our website called iParent.tv, and you can click on that link, and it educates you on everything you need to know about apps, about different programs and sites that they go to. Matter of fact, I've got a short little video here I want you to watch that may open your eyes just a little bit.
2: My name is Rachel Ceballos, and I am a full-time youth pastor. You could say that. Junior high, high school, and in college. Popular apps. uh, Probably first one, Snapchat. Second one, I would say, obviously, Instagram. Um, Twitter's making a resurgence with the kids, uh, college students have lots of dating apps, so Tinder, um, one called Coffee Meets Bagel, it's a new one, just everything. Oh gosh, everything scares me about social media apps. Um, first one, Snapchat, the worst. Snapchat's the worst. Uh, junior high kids have it, and, um they're snapchatting each other their parts. Uh, The whole idea of the app is the pictures show up and then they disappear, except for every single smartphone has the ability for you to screenshot it and then create an archive of every junior high girl body part or any of that. So a lot of junior high boys have full camera rolls of body parts of girls in their school. It's awful. Parents, parents have to be clueless. Because who would ever let their child have something that would allow them to do that? And these kids, you know, it looks harmless, like it's a little ghost. Like it it would look like a game if you looked um, just at the app itself until you realize, you know, it doesn't keep a history, but kids are savvy on how to hide the photos. And I even tell college kids, like I was like, there's no good reason for you to have Snapchat. You can take a photo and send it to your friend without any reason of you having it. It just, it completely allows for you to send inappropriate photos. I mean that's what it's about. Honestly, Snapchat's not I mean some guys are like, oh I sent myself on the toilet. I'm like, it's totally for boobs and wieners. When I heard about iParent.tv, I knew instantly that this is something, it's a resource that's gonna help people because I can barely keep up with what the kids have. And I work with them day in, day out. They tell me what they have, they and they're really honest with me about saying like, hey, Here's the, here's the app that sends me all the boobs. Like the kids are that honest with me and I can barely keep up with it. Um, and you can barely keep up with what updates, like recently Instagram just allowed for direct messaging, which is incredibly dangerous in some respects for what kids can be doing. Um, if I'm working with kids every day and they tell me the stuff that they don't tell their parents, then there are a lot of parents out there that are way far in the dark. Because if you don't know about Snapchat, Snapchat's already almost over. There's already new things on the market. Um, if you're only on Facebook, we've talked about this, then you're behind the times. Like, you're on Facebook as a parent. That means your kids are not on Facebook. Your kids can care less about doing anything with you on there. They want to find the things where you're not so that they can get away with doing terrible things. That's what I did. I thank God when I was 14 I didn't have social media because I would have been really terrible. The only resource that I have of finding out about apps is junior high kids, honestly. There's nothing out there that will tell you what is the latest, most trending, popular thing with your kids, whether junior high, high school, or college. Um, and you need to be made aware for what they're doing because whether they're sending the pics or the ones receiving them, you need to know what's out there that your children have. And TV sounds like a million-dollar idea.
1: So all the parents in the room are sitting there thinking, wow, i got a lot to learn. All the kids hate me, right? Because mom and dad's going to want them to get rid of Snapchat when they get home. And, and so, you know, it's, it's going to be worse second service when all the teens are in here. But you've got to educate yourself. And fortunately, both the secular world and even the Christian world has got a ton of helps out there for us. And listen, there are some positive things about social media. I get that, but you've got to educate yourself to reality and what's taking place in our culture and what's happening. I've listed some links at the bottom of the handout that can help you, uh, some different websites that can help you out. And, of course, I didn't put the iParent TV there, uh, one there, but it's, it's, um, it's something you can write down, and it is on the front of our, our uh, church website. The second thing you need to do is you need to set up a defense plan, a defense system. You've got to set that up because the battle is raging for your purity and for your kids' purity. Now that you understand the danger, you've got to take some time to set up a system, right, on all of your computers, your iPhones, your iPads, smartphones, your TVs, whatever it might be, because you know this stuff is coming into your home. I mean, it's just not, it's it's not like it's not going to come just because you're a, a follower of Christ. It's coming. And the devil loves this tool. I think he loves to throw it at us. And he's going to love to try to throw us off track. So you've got to be smart. Porn is a serious matter. And one of your greatest enemies is the secrets that you keep. So you've got to take protection. I'm just going to tell you something I think that you need to do. You need to share all passwords. If you've got teenagers in the house, they're going to hate me on this as well. You need to know all their passwords. You need to know their apps. You need to know where they're going. If you pay for the phone... If they live in your house, I think you've got every right. All right? And you just need to know those things. Spouse, husband, wives, I think you need to know. Julie and I, we know all of our passwords when we can remember them, right? I had to get an app to help me remember passwords, right? But... there's no secrets julie at any point in time can read any text she can read all my emails she can read through all of facebook it's all right there you got to put protection on your tv because adult entertainment through the television through cable is still one of the main ways that people get it so all adult content can be blocked there's all different types of parental controls and if you can't figure it out get rid of cable Get rid of dish. Get rid of direct TV. If you have to, throw the TV in the front yard. The battle is raging. That's how serious this is. You've got to take control. This has got to be about you protecting yourself, doing everything you can to fight for your purity. Fight for your kids' purity. Fight for your family's purity. Fight for our church's purity. There's different types of protection that you can put on your devices. For me and, and several of our staff, we use one through uh, uh, the most popular Christian porn website on, on the Internet. That's kind of what they say. It's not a porn site. It's triplexchurch.com and it's all about helping people. Get out of the porn addiction or avoid it. And they've got a free app that you can download on your computers. And w- with the help of accountability partners, they get, anytime you go to a questionable site, accountability partners. Julian uh, is one of my accountability partners. I've got one in Missouri, one in California. And this week, because of this message, I thought, you know, I need one here in Michigan. So I found somebody to be my accountability uh, accountability partner here, and so they get updates, they get messages of when I go to anywhere questionable, questionable. And, and by the way, I had to call all of them this week and email them and say, listen, this is going to be questionable, here's what I'm preaching on, okay, and, and man, it's scary, and, and, and I wanted to know, because that's accountability, that's that's a defense system, that's that's me saying my integrity is important and I want want it to be important for me and for my kids. And so we've got to do those different types of things It's so important for us to do. The third thing is this, you've got to discuss the battle plan. Discuss the plan. Because as you saw in the statistics, over half of the the images that are coming to your kids are coming via their friends. For me, it was uh, via a friend. Through Pastor Mike, a friend on the playground at school in the sixth grade. Uh, For somebody on my own survey that I did, it was at church camp. Another one, it was on the school bus. And so it's coming through other kids. How do you stop that? How do you protect that? The only way is for you to sit down and to talk with your kids, to have open dialogue. The only way is for you to sit down and to talk with your spouse and to have open dialogue about those types of things because you want to set up perimeters. You want to set up defense systems. By the way, I meant to mention this. As our, I want you to know our pastoral staff has set certain guidelines that we want to keep uh, for integrity because we believe this is so important. You won't find us alone with another woman in a car, even Wanda. I mean, we just—that's—we take it that serious, right? Other than our wives, that's, that's the rule we want to have. We don't counsel other women alone. There's always going to be somebody else in the room, door open, or at least a, a room with a window, right? Because there's, there's got to be accessibility. There's got to be just openness here. We want to protect ourselves. We make sure that we use software that's going to protect our devices. We don't want any questions about our integrity because, listen, the devil would love nothing more but to attack us and to pull us down. And he would love nothing more but to do the same for you. And all the protection and all the things that we try to do for ourselves to protect our integrity, I think you need to do as well. Husbands and wives, man, you need to be open about this stuff and talk about it. Talk about your struggles. Share your passwords. Set those perimeters. Julie knows the password on our TV for all adult content. She knows that, right? It's hers to control, not mine. We've got to set up that defense plan. We've got to uh, be willing to set up um, a system to talk about these things as well. And finally, I want to address this. How do you deal with the, this issue? If this is your temptation, or even if this is your addiction, if this is the thing that's that's tripping you up, that's pulling you down, I want to give you three very quick steps. The first one is this number one, you've got to confess to God. I believe this is biblical. You've got to confess to God. That's the starting point. And I realize a couple of these points are going to be a little tough for you. This one should be a little bit easier. Because he already knows, right? I mean, it's not like you're going to catch God off, off guard. He's not going to, it's not like he's going to go, oh, I didn't know. You're kidding me. right? He knows. So you confess to God. You start there. Paul says in Romans seven twenty five, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Some of you here this morning, and you're dealing with sin. It may not even be the sin of pornography, but you're dealing with sin. Some of you showed up wondering, why is the church talking about this? You weren't sure what it was going to be like, but as a result, God is beginning to convict your heart, and you're, you've got that feeling of emptiness or of searching and wanting to have peace. You know there's sin that's keeping you from having that relationship with God, and you're sitting here right now. Listen, the first step is to confess to God. Specifically confess your sins to Him. First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Don't miss this. There is nothing you can say to God. There's nothing you can confess to Him that would keep Him from loving you any less. He loves you. He gave everything for you so that you could have forgiveness, so that you could have healing, So that you can have cleansing that only God can provide. The second thing is this: you need to confess to someone else. And this is where you typically typically get pushed back because it's like, all right, Joe, come on now. Seriously, you already told, I confess to God. Isn't that good enough? No. No. You will not beat this addiction alone. You won't beat any addiction alone. You need help. You need help. The Christian life was never meant to to be lived on your own. The Lone Ranger Christian mentality is a setup for failure. You won't make it. Biblically, this is important for us. matter of fact, James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, you don't just confess to everybody. You you find somebody, a godly person that you you can trust in, somebody who's going to hold you accountable, someone who's going to pray with you. And if you can't think of anyone right now that you could talk to, I want to open my door. I I want you to email me, I want you to call me. I want you to, uh, Pastor Mike's the same way, Pastor Don, Pastor Clayton, our staff is here for you. And we're fortunate enough, we have Dr. Jeff Caldwell with Wounded Heart Ministries. Listen, I put his phone number in here. If you need to, you call him and you sit down and you confess and you open up and you begin an accountability relationship. We've got Dennis Smart who heads up our our Celebrate Recovery uh, life group and that ministry. And that ministry, that's what it's all about. It's helping people with habits and hang-ups and hurts. and, And he'd be more than happy to talk with you. And to be your accountability partner and to set you up in a way that can help you to grow and flourish in your relationship with God. But you can't do it on your own. You've got to confess to someone. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I want you to understand, as difficult as the conversation may be, when you confess to someone about your sin... Is a lot easier than what the conversation will be when you get caught in the act of that sin, because you will get caught. The Bible says, Be sure your sins will find you out. Some of you know the story of Josh Duggar and what's taken place in his life. This is the oldest son of the Duggar family, of 19 kids and counting, and incredible family, godly family, a dad who's poured into his kids, and yet here's a, a boy who grew up with an addiction to pornography has now opened up about that addiction which led to more affairs. Pornography is progressive. It will always lead you deeper down a darker road. And now he's left not only himself trying to pick up the pieces, but his family and his wife and their reputation. Whereas if he would have just stepped forward two or three years ago, and at any point in time and said, listen, I need help. Think about the difference that would have took place in this young man's life. Tragedy is waiting for those try to conceal and hide sins it's all that's going to happen it's what's going to take place the third thing is this you need to clean it up you need to clean it up acts three nineteen says repent then and turn to god so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the lord That term repent means with a broken heart to turn away from the sin. So you're heading in one direction. This is what's luring you in. This is what's taking you away. And you turn away from that and you you run to the arms of Jesus. You run to God. You open up to an accountability partner. You confess to God. You confess to someone else. You attend Celebrate Recovery. You call Dr. Jeff. You do what you've got to do. You begin to fight for your relationship with Christ. You begin to fight For your purity in living for God. You begin to fight for the purity of your kids. You worship God. You get into God's word. You spend time in prayer and you fight with everything that's in you. You fight and you fight and you fight.
3: The Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. So today, I will give no place to fear or failure. I will not accept a trace of apathy in my attitude or actions. I will reject complacency and embrace the greatness that God has planted inside of me. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything he has entrusted to me. I will fight. My battle is not against flesh and blood, but against a spiritual enemy who opposes me. So I will draw the battle lines and face my enemy with a bold determination. My enemy fights against me because he fears me. Every time I resist him, he must flee and every time he reminds me of my past i will remind him of his future i will make no excuses but through every obstacle i will find a way i will not procrastinate my progress i will not defer my destiny i will not waver when i'm weak i will not cower when my circumstances take a turn for the worse because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world i will fight even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I will reject the lies that echo in my mind telling me that I don't have what it takes, that my best is behind me, or that humiliation awaits me. The devil is a liar, and my God always causes me to try Up Through Jesus Christ, my Lord, I will fight. I'm unashamed to represent a kingdom that is unshakable. No one will be able to stand against God's plan for me all the days of my life. With my God, I will advance against every troop. With his help, I will scale every wall. Though my enemies surround me, my God surrounds my enemies. Though they may come in me one way, they will flee seven ways. Because no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every evil thing that rises against me, I will condemn, I will fight is steadfast. My purpose is immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord, and my potential is unlimited because the limitless God lives within me. I will fight. The cross is before me. The world is behind me. I'll never turn back. I'll never give up. I'll never settle. I'll never stop short. I will press toward the mark for the prize that is already mine. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate me from my God and if my God is for me who can be against me I will fight.
1: I'm going to ask if you would to stand with me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would give you boldness. God is greater than what we face in this world. The devil's a defeated enemy, amen? We've got to be bold. We've got to be willing to fight we got to be willing to take a stand. we got to do the things that we have to do to open our heart and our relationship to God and to follow Him and to fight for, for our relationship with Him and to fight for the purity of our family and ourselves and our kids and our grandkids. Listen, there's a world out there that needs what we have within us as believers in Christ. And as you exit this place today, man, I pray that God would use you to impact people, to speak into people's lives with love because we're a perfect place for imperfect people and we're all imperfect. We all stand in need of God's grace. May God enable us and help us and strengthen us and allow us to be a light in this community to carry his good news, the good news of Christ and his salvation that we can have through him and what he paid for us on the the cross of Calvary. Let me pray for you. Father we love you God I'm so thankful for your grace God I'm so thankful that you help us in times of need I'm thankful for the convicting power of your word and I'm thankful for a personal relationship that we can have with you through your death on the cross God I pray that You would strengthen us. God, strengthen us as believers, as followers of Christ. May we be bold in our faith. May we be strong in our commitment to purity. Loving our spouse or, God, being pure until you bring us a spouse. God, I pray that you would help us to be pure in our focus and helping to raise our kids the best that we can focused on your word and living pure lives as well help us to set up those defense mechanisms a defense system help us to talk about those things And God help us most importantly to confess to you when we need to knowing that no one's perfect we all stand in need of your grace and knowing that it's through you and your strength that you can help us to be overcomers of whatever the world throws our way God, help us to be willing to open up to others, to create accountability partners, to get involved in a life group or celebrate recovery or even meet with Dr. Jeff if that's what's needed. God, I pray that you'd give us the boldness to do what we need to do, to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we love you. I pray that as we leave today, that you would give us opportunities to be a lighthouse for you, to speak truth and love to those that we meet because of what you've done in and through us. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.